welcome to Whatever the Case, Stryker's official ASC podcast, which features interviews with leading experts in the ASC space, focused on the clinical, operational, and financial considerations that go into ASC ownership. We hope to bring you valuable perspectives and insights to enhance your understanding of the ASC market, because whatever the case, we've got you covered. Joining us today is Kyle Anderson, Vice President of Finance and ASC at Orthopedics Rhode Island. Ortho Rhode Island is an independent physician group of over 30 doctors founded in 2015 as the result of three orthopedic groups in the region merging. Their mission is to provide the best patient experience in the industry, and the group is known for innovations and early adoption of technology to drive patient outcomes and improve healthcare in Rhode Island. One of Ortho Rhode Island's more recent accomplishments was the opening of their state-of-the-art ambulatory surgery center in 2021, which we'll hear about more in a minute. But Kyle, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Dana. I'm excited to be here. I, uh, I'm a fan of the, co- the podcast, and you've had great guests so far, so I'm happy to be one of them. Awesome. Well, before we get started, we'll do what we always do and have you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role at Ortho Rhode Island, and kind of what your primary responsibilities are. Sure. So, um, Currently, the Vice President of Finance and ASC at Ortho Rhode Island, uh, located here in Warwick, Rhode Island. I've been with Ortho Rhode Island since about 2011, and uh, in my time there, have had several different positions throughout the organization, focused on department consolidation, implementation, leadership development, uh, and strategy, including uh, specifically the ASC. Uh, for the entity at large, my role is very much directed at finance, accounting, revenue cycle, uh, business management, and analytics. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to dive into our topic today, which is really exploring the intersection of finance and operations. And you're definitely um, an expert on the topic. But before we do so, talk to us about your ASC, which opened a couple of years ago. Sure. So we we opened in 2021. Um, the center opened in March. The uh, facility itself is 66,000 square feet. The third floor, 20,000 square feet is the ASC itself. Um, The space is outfitted with eight ORs, two procedural rooms, uh, 10 pre-op bays, 14 PACU bays. Um, We see the whole gamut of uh, adult orthopedic surgery. Uh, We do about 7,000 cases this year, about 1,000 of which will be total joints, um, and about 3,000 pain injection cases. Okay, very good. And we'll talk a little bit later as well about your partnership with Stryker in that process, but um, you guys certainly have an amazing ASC out there in Rhode Island. Yeah, thank you. All right. So let's get into the topic. Let's start with just your take overall on how you are balancing the two dynamics of finance and operations and really how you as a finance leader are thinking about that day to day. Yeah, great. So, you know, finance and operations can sometimes seem conflicting as you start to look at the different demands and what's important to all of the stakeholders involved, specifically in, in an ambulatory surgery center and maintaining that balance is challenging. Um, you know, it, it, the center has a, a breadth of stakeholders, key decision makers and executives, all of whom are individually evaluated and sometimes separately evaluated on their performance. And that includes the patients. You know, patients evaluate uh, their care and their experience in the center. Uh, payers evaluate the cost and utilization of the center. Surgeons uh, evaluate, of course, their surgical outcomes experience. And then if they're a shareholder, the financial performance of the center. Uh, managers evaluate the efficiencies of, of their departments and employees look at the organizational leadership and they evaluate the responsiveness and effectiveness in execution. So w- where that leads, I think, is um, quite a few priorities to, to juggle and uphold. And as the cost of uh, care delivery increases 
faster than the, the rate of payments, it's our job to take a data-driven approach to identifying the crossroads, if you will, uh, between financial returns and execution of the operations themselves. Very good. And I like how you broke it down to the various stakeholders that you serve and really identifying what's important to them. So with that in mind, let's kind of talk about where you start and some of the key areas that you target to achieve that balance that you're looking for. Yeah, so there, there are two probably major drivers um, you know, of cost and, and therefore items that require attention in, in maintaining that balance. The first of which I would say is labor. Uh, healthcare is no different than any other service industry in that uh, people are definitely the most critical driver of success um, and finding the right amount of people, but also having the right people in the right seats is, is very important. And we saw uh, COVID cause a dramatic shift on how people are thinking about their jobs. And uh, during that time, specifically in healthcare, we saw professionals uh, start to mobilize uh, geographically to maximize their earning potential. And so for ASC executives, the challenge during that time was to be disciplined enough to know that the oversized bonuses and demands of, of um, traveling professionals would eventually come to an end, but also balance the, the sort of importance and the cost of retention and maintaining quality teams, because ultimately that's, you know, of course, what keeps the doors open. Um, and I think that the viability of our current health healthcare delivery system really would have been damaged if that uh, sort of dynamic continued. And I know that there's, you know, different statuses in different markets, but thankfully what we've seen in our market is a shift towards a normal, a more normal state of recruiting for high quality talent uh, because the, the key to success is really getting the right people. Yeah. And so many ASCs really struggled with labor over these last few years and, and definitely a key um, subset of those were orthopedic ASCs who were really experiencing that growing demand of outpatient joint replacement and not having the staff to handle that demand. And like you mentioned, um, maybe not necessarily a lack of staff, but the need to balance those inflated wages and the impact on uh, of that on your center um, was certainly challenging. So it's good to hear that um, that's subsiding a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So how do you think about identifying then the right amount of the right people? Yeah. So in, in thinking about all of the aspects of the ASC, it's important to, to sort of come from a place where you acknowledge that um, uh, a successful surgery center doesn't mean replicating a hospital. Um, the center has its own specific needs and constraints. And uh, with surgery center team members, it's the ability to perform multiple roles, both the assigned role and impromptu roles to make sure that the day continues on the way and at the pace that uh, allows you to be successful. And when strategizing uh, for staffing, the first thing that typically comes to mind is clinical staffing and hiring for nurses and surgical techs and x-ray techs um, who are flexible and can perform their clinical function, but also um, can jump into rooms for turnovers or case picking or restocking or whatever the immediate need is at that time without disrupting the workflow. And this flexibility allows for a reduction in the ratio between ORFTEs and the number of rooms that are running, which is ideal for a surgery center. Um, and I would say equally important are the high quality non-clinical team members like schedulers or um, folks who work in central sterile who understand the specific center complexities uh, such as rate limiting factors of throughput in the center, uh, capital equipment constraints, what's available and what's not, et cetera, that are magnified in an ASC due to this, the inherent nature of reduced resources in the center. And um, those team members, uh, in my opinion, are incredibly valuable to generating a workflow that requires fewer people and less equipment and therefore uh, a more efficient and profitable center. Mm -hmm. And then how are you able to actually measure that, you know, you've got the right team, the right amount of people in place, and you are kind of gaining those efficiencies for your center? 
Yeah, keep, keeping an eye on all of the costs and avoiding cost inflation is, is really critical. And typically surgery centers will work to uh, ensure their staffing as a percentage of revenue uh, doesn't exceed about 20%. Um, and the way to do that most effectively is to focus those recruiting efforts on those with experience in a surgery center, or at the very least, a willingness to be flexible on achieving the result versus a, a firmly defined job. It's that prototypical team player uh, mm -hmm. that you're looking for uh, during the hiring process and is worth the cost. Yep, definitely. Um, I know that's certainly what we hear from many in the industry is that someone who's working in an ASC really has to have a completely different mindset and be willing to wear many hats and kind of be that Swiss army knife for the center. That's right, right. So can you speak to any specific staffing ratios that you use as a benchmark for your ASC? Or you know, have you found that sweet spot that you know will have you at or near that 20% of revenue? Yeah, sure. So there is some data available and benchmarking and industry standards on um, number of FTEs uh, as a percentage of caseload um, or revenue. Um, but typically what I advise other centers when we have these conversations is Focus on the absolute value, meaning the, the actual cost of staffing as a percentage of revenue, and then be very creative inside of that box. Um, so if you focus on how many clinical FTEs do I have versus how many non-clinical and support staff do I have, all of that is important and is very center specific in terms of uh, being successful. And the real critical measurable in my mind as it pertains to that topic is what is the data that you collect on visit volume or margins or overall EBITDA of the center, the, the true financial metrics that are the outcome, and just be creative on the staffing side to support that end goal. So if we think about other elements that drive alignment between operations and finance, you know, what else are you taking a look at? Yeah, that, that second one is is inventory. Um, you know, all, all of the things that go along with the center and outside of human resource expense, um, it really is the critical element to align the economic success of the center with operational performance. Um, and that, that's specifically the selection and management of inventory. Um, providing the highest quality care while being mindful of cost is a, is a delicate balance, but uh, it's an important balance that should be uh, you know, approached thoughtfully and involve processes and systems to ensure the clinical teams have, of course, exactly what they need while keeping the finance folks like myself happy to not have a month's worth of inventory just sitting on the shelf, right? Mm -hmm. And um, understanding case volumes and, and sometimes more importantly, sequence throughout the week, uh, setting par levels and uh, updating them as the center grows, those are the fundamentals, sort of the basic blocking and tackling. But having a clear and open line of communication with the surgeons and the teams to balance utilization as well as uh, methods for the introduction of new and sometimes, frankly, more costly technologies. And this is where a value analysis committee uh, you know, can help and a strong understanding of case margins to help drive decision making and uh, make sure we are providing what is best for the patient while being financially responsible. And do you think that there is, you know, a recommendation or, or best practice on how someone should approach this? I, I do. So um, what we have found to be the most effective in sort of managing this cost driver is to recruit and hire an experienced inventory manager. And when they arrive, outline very clear objectives and targets in terms of uh, spend and cost saving initiatives and then get out of their way, right? And let them do what they are trained to do and what they're so phenomenal at. Um, as the center works to achieve supply expense targets, um, typically centers are focusing their supply expense uh, as about 30 to 35% of their collections. But having these very clear goals, processes, and accounting mechanisms uh, will help the center to be successful. And um, you know, I can't think it can be, or I don't think it can be overstated 
how impactful and important it is to have the right person or people in this role, depending on the size of the center, and then supporting them with utility players so that they can achieve at the highest level. It's, it's something that will um, make a dramatic impact to the bottom line of the facility itself. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that perspective and kind of sharing that best practice. So, you know, we talked about having the right people and the right amount of people. So if we kind of shift gears now to all this stuff and um, having all the right stuff, how should ASC leaders think about acquiring and having the right amount of equipment to support their center? The saying in the OR is if you have one, you have none, right? And so I, I think it speaks to how expensive it can be to successfully and safely outfit a center for all of its needs and whether or not that's capital equipment, instrumentation, uh, power and supplies. Um, and, you know, for a de novo or an expansion center, there are an enormous amount of capital requirements. It's, it's, you know, you're looking at a blank slate. So you're thinking lights and beds and, um, you know, at, at that time, there's no associated revenue, of course. And so it can be intimidating to review uh, the case volume and the revenue pro formas that you've created off of the information you have available and then compare that to the investment that's going to be required uh, from the outside, from the outset, it's, it, it can be daunting, uh, you know, to look at it on paper that way. Yeah, definitely. And when your center was in development, um, you guys chose Stryker as a partner to work with kind of in that endeavor and creating what a solution could look like. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So we, we have always had a, a, a very good and longstanding relationship with Stryker. And so as we were facing this challenge, our solution uh, was to lean on our partner vendors like Stryker to say, we need a bespoke solution that can grow with our practice um, and, and how can we reduce or eliminate shareholders from equity financing to make their center um, the most capitally efficient vehicle possible. Um, and for us, uh, that methodology was to finance a large percentage of our capital needs through Stryker, uh, specifically through consumables, um, and then executed that agreement on a staged approach that allowed us to very thoughtfully and safely perform case migration and also room expansion. Um, and then when needed, returning to the well to supplement our original uh, agreement, um, you know, whether or not it was additional capital equipment uh, or what have you, um, you know, anything to support our continued growth of that time. And this approach allowed us to provide cost effective care to the community in a beautiful state of the art facility with two Mako robots um, and uh, sup supplemented with the highest quality nursing and surgical teams in the area. It really allowed us to create a center that we could be proud of. And um, when we have guests, and frankly, we like to tour people through our facility, uh, it, it shows both the highest quality and our pride of, of what we were able to create. That's wonderful. Um, really appreciate you sharing that. And um, we certainly appreciate your partnership. Of course. So um, last couple of things here. I wanna get into data a little bit. Um, and it definitely seems like there is an abundance of data in healthcare now. We're collecting data everywhere. Um, and you know, we've mentioned a few times the importance of having goals and targets for the center. So how are you using data to kind of guide your decision-making and what would you say are some of the key metrics that you look at daily just to ensure that you're achieving balance and running a profitable center? Yeah, this is this is a, uh, an interesting and, and to me exciting one. Um, when it comes to driving decision-making, it's important to not only have ways to measure the performance, but also to drive change with the information that's collected. Um, and in the context of a surgery center, we think about key operational data with varying levels of granularity, depending on sort of the intent and the audience. Um, so on a more macro level, uh, things like case volume and cancellations and OR times and utilization and start times. Um, and then with a bit more granularity within the case, um, how long did it take to close? Um, team specific throughput variables, because sometimes there can be variation there. Uh, turnover times, 
uh, specific to the case. It's the cases it's themselves. Uh, a 25 minute turnover time from Mako to Mako may be great, uh, but would be problematic if it were a hand to hand when we're targeting 11 minute turnover times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's important about this operational data is that it can be directly quantified in terms of revenue gained or lost and actual or opportunity costs. Um, you know, and, and being innovative and intentional with how we implement process improvement in response to the data has very direct financial impact. And um, as a best practice, it's extremely important to then take that information and share it um, and, um, you know, uh, share it with those who are implementing or performing those process improvements. Um, you know, a, a lot of these measures are a reflection of time and time is a very powerful variable in, in productivity. Um, but going to the team and telling them to um, move faster is far less effective than uh, is a far less effective coaching tool than outlining why a certain time reduction allows uh, one more person to receive care that day and begin their journey. So uh, if you can share with people what the data is saying and also share with them why it's important to provide and support the overall mission, which is to provide excellent care to the patients, uh, that's something that they can buy into and help you to drive forward. Yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of you know not just focusing on reduction of minutes and kind of looking at it really objectively like that, but tying it to how many more patients you can care for by um, making those reductions. So that's great. Um, and let's get into case costing a little bit. So I know that case costing is obviously a element of data collection. Um, can you just expand upon what you're collecting, what you're utilizing, you know, how you're using this information and sharing it with your stakeholders from a case costing perspective? Yeah, sure. So um... When we're thinking about uh, budgeting or forecasting and PL analysis, having a thorough understanding of case costing, you know, on a granular level from the center, it really is, is paramount. And for us, case costing uh, isn't an event, but rather an ongoing process. Um, it's how we measure improvement efforts or we detect unforeseen variants in the center. Um, and specifically to us, it's analyzed uh, on the CPT level and also the surgeon level. Uh, with a, a, a real hyper focus on those cases that account for the largest percentages of our volume and the largest percentages of our revenue. Um, you know, from an execution standpoint, preference cards are really the key input driver to this data. So it's best practice to have them uh, reviewed at least quarterly, um, uh, as well as, and maybe equally important, frequent communication with the surgical teams uh, to share the importance and discuss the importance of data fidelity uh, with regard to documenting specific uh, supply utilization and ensuring accuracy in that activity. Um, and then subsequently, and this is where it, it really gets, I think, meaningful, is the data is laid across a spectrum of payers, right, who um, allow us to holistically understand the margins of the cases and guide decision-making on what can be prudently brought to the center, uh, as well as uh, drive payer contract negotiations and movements towards value-based care as, a, as the landscape of um, payer contracting continues to evolve. Um, and the reality is, given a specific combination of costs and expected reimburses, uh, reimbursement, some cases may not be may be financially challenging to perform in an ASC setting. Well, this has been a great conversation, and I know I certainly have appreciated, you know, a peek behind the curtain on a couple topics that I certainly am not all that familiar with. So thank you for sharing your knowledge um, and your experience with us today. Um, and so kind of as we round out the conversation, I just want to end with any key takeaways, lessons learned, or recommendations that you can kind of share in summary for those listening. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a, an exciting topic, and and I appreciate you having me on because I enjoy talking about it. Um, you know, I don't think that there is necessarily a secret sauce to this stuff. Um, you know, I, I spoke many times about 
how important it is to engage the team in, in that level of communication and having clear objectives on what you would like to achieve. Um, because in a surgery center, the efficiency that re is required means that the team really needs to be greater than the sum of their parts. And so having the right team me members is what allows this thing to work. Um, and, and secondly, I guess I would reemphasize that uh, knowing your data is what allows you to innovate and evolve. Um, and as a general principle, I, I always recommend uh, failing fast, right? When you, when you have an initiative that you want to roll out for process improvement or cost savings, continue to try and try and try. And it's okay if you fail three times on a process or an initiative, as long as you get the fourth one right, because that's typically where the return is realized. And having a, a flexible team and the right team members is what allows you to execute that type of strategy. Um, and then ultimately, we're, we're really here for one reason, right? We are here to provide excellent care, in this instance, orthopedic care um, to the patients. And so the patient experience is really paramount um, to uh, driving and uh, developing strategy, both operationally and financially. Um, and so you never want to lose sight of providing an excellent patient experience. Awesome. Well, that's all we have today. And again, Kyle, thank you so much for your time and for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much, Dana. Kyle Anderson is a paid consultant of Stryker. His opinions expressed in this podcast are his own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Stryker. To learn more about Stryker's ASC business, visit www.stryker.com slash ASC.